Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, 24 Sound. 24 Sound is technically an audio production company, but they're way more than that. They're there to help you grow your business from audiobooks to podcasts and everything in between. They're flawless as sound engineers and they're strategic as business partners. Visit them at 24sound.com. You can also email them at hello at 24sound.com. And of course, as a best ever listener, you'll get a best ever discount. Mention best ever and you'll get a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Sean Riley. Hi, Sean. Hey, Joe. Great to have you on the show. And Sean is joining us from Newton, Massachusetts, where he is a real estate investor. He's been investing since 2007. Um, he currently has 10 long-term holds in his portfolio and since 2011, he's been doing rehab flips locally for current income um, and then reinvesting that back into the long-term holds. So with that being said, Sean, can you tell the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Uh, so like you said, I've um, been investing since 2007. It actually started out as uh, me and my wife became accidental landlords. We bought, like I said, we bought on the wrong end of a flip in 2004, and then we wanted to move in 2007, um, and that's pretty much, it's pretty much when the market peaked and the market started to tank here. So um, instead of eating, estimated probably about thirty thousand uh, dollars, we decided to rent instead. Um, we I had actually always been interested in real estate um, and wanted to get into stuff. We had actually joked. That'd be like, oh, it'd be great if we could keep this place um, and still be able to move and keep it as a rental. It was actually, it's in a very uh, desirable area of um, Boston, right near Boston College. Um, so we wanted, so you know, we had always joked about that. So we kind of forced our hands. But then, um, you know, we since I was into it and we kind of liked people mailing us money. It wasn't, you know, we didn't buy it for cash flow, so it wasn't necessarily the greatest rental, but it still like was nice. Quickly bought a couple other rentals in uh, Lowell, Massachusetts, about forty miles from Boston, um, and it's near where I grew up. So I knew, so I knew the market. Basically, we could buy the same units that we had down there um, for about like sixty percent of the price, and could get about seventy-five, eighty percent of the rent. So, like, it was a better idea for cash flow. And like most new investors, kind of you know overestimated the rents, underestimated the expenses. So what looked like pretty good cash flow on paper originally turned into being more or less break even, made a little bit some months, you know, lost stuff if there was a bad thing happened here or there. So we kind of realized it was one of those get rich really, really, really slow plans. Uh, right. Uh, which isn't, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, but, uh, you know, kind of pulled back a little bit at that point. So after a couple of years of sort of like exploring the market and never finding like, you know, the deals that I was really wanted to get, <clears throat> excuse me, um, my former employer in uh, January 2010 decided that I did not need to work there anymore. And I decided that they made the right choice there. So I kind of went full time and went all in. 
So, uh, you know, started managing the rental portfolio, looking a little bit deeper into creative deals with that and started getting into, um, you know, the quick turn strategies to develop current income to avoid having to go back to the corporate world and uh, got involved with, well, you know, basically rehabbing single family houses for the most part. So whenever you were working at the company and then you you left and they told you you should leave, um, what was the difference between your tactics uh, and profitability pre and post that happening? Well, um, yeah, it was sort of a the, the little bit of a kick in the pants sort of thing where um, before I always, it's like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to buy a bunch of units. I want to get the um, cash flow and be able to, you know, cover, cover our nut every month with that stuff and not have to work. You know, if I want to work, I can. And if I don't have to, I don't have to. Like, you know, that, you know, that's generally the dream, right? Um, but unfortunately, you know, I was in the comfort zone where, well, you know, it's a pretty good job. I kind of like it. I, you know, this obviously there's days I don't like it. Some days I do like it. Get paid reasonably well, have reasonably good benefits, you know, started to have a family. So, oh, you know, can't really like go at it too hardcore because I have too many other commitments, you know, all the excuses people make. Um, but then when I lost that, it's like, well, do I want to go back to doing that or do I really want to pursue this dream? And I did. And um, like, you know, a lot of people, if you really put your mind to it, you can actually accomplish what you want to do. And that was in 2010? Yep. And how's the income compared to your salary versus the t- property and the type of stuff you're doing now? Uh, well, you know, when the, so I've been doing this for a, a you know, decent amount of time now, the, the, uh, rehabbing stuff. So, uh, I have had deals where I made more than what I made in a year at my old job. And, but then, you know, you also have some dry spells, like, you know, as a lot of people will say right now, it's a lot harder to find deals. So there are a little bit fewer, far between margins aren't quite as good as they were two or three years ago. So, you know, it gets a little bit closer in those. Yeah. But, and how, how's the, how's the freedom of your time versus then the now? (laughs) Even if, um, you know, even if I was only breaking even on that, it's still much better because I get to do what I want when, you know, I wouldn't be able to be talking on the phone with you right now if I still had my corporate job. That's right. And, and, uh, we, for the best ever listeners, some reason, somehow our time got misscheduled and whatever, we were an hour off. And so you definitely, Sean, wouldn't have been able to be on the call for two hours since we were supposed to have this call an hour ago. Exactly. Right. So, you know, even if I was able to carve out some time, like, you know, can't be that dynamic with stuff. Well, based on your experience in investing for yourself, your family, and doing rehabs, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Uh, so I would say the my best real estate advice ever is you need to understand value. Each property has its own unique characteristics and challenges, and you have to account for them. You know, um, I like to say that any issue with the property is just a price adjustment, but you really have to understand that. Can you give a specific example? Definitely. So um, kind of a niche that I've... Um, been working it as I deal with what I call locationally challenged properties. So these are the things that a lot of um, other residents just just don't want to touch, like things on busy streets near the train tracks, near industrial areas. 
Um, my, my best example of that is I flipped a place that was literally across the street from a sewer plant. Nobody wanted to buy that place. No other investor wanted to buy it. But I was like, I was like you know, I know it's going to be hard to sell. I know what I need to put into it. And if I can make the numbers work, I'm going to go for it. So, um, you know, so I bought the place next to the sewer plant and, you know, I realized that comps that were half a mile away from it would overvalue the place by about a hundred thousand dollars. So I adjusted my resale price based on that and, uh, you know, got it insanely cheap for the town it was in and I knew what I needed to put into it and, uh, you know, made a great profit on it. And what are some specific numbers on that, that deal? Um, See if I remember exactly. I believe I bought it for around sixty-six thousand uh, dollars. This is a town where the median home price was around two hundred and sixty thousand dollars at the time. Okay. Um, just for perspective, you know, if you have somebody in the Midwest where like a de- decent house could go for that, you know. <laughs> um, and I put about twenty, twenty-seven, twenty-eight into it, and resold it for one hundred and fifty-nine. Nice. And how did you originally finance the purchase of it? Was it all cash? I brought a little bit of money to the table, but I was able to get a hard money loan. Um, I have a pretty good relationship with my guy because he actually said like, you know what, if I have, if I hadn't done about a dozen deals with you already, I wouldn't finance this place. And who ended up buying it? Um, it was a single mother who actually lived um, about two blocks away. So she didn't live right by the sewer plant, but there were actually other issues with this house. There was also right by the train tracks. Um, but she, the house that she currently lived in also was just as close to the train tracks, so she didn't care about that at all. Um, and she, she liked the area, and basically it was the only house that was inhabitable that she could afford. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Definitely. Best ever book you've read? So it might be a little cliche, but I'm going to go with uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because it really changed the way, um, you know, I thought about money and about the path I wanted to put my working and professional life on. And it kind of, you know, kind of came out when I was sort of coming of age, like my, um, you know, our generation of like hitting that when you're in your 20s there, um, you know, really kind of set, set me on the right path. And best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. All right, Sean, best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Uh, So I alluded to this earlier, but probably when I lost my job, because it really gave me the kick in the butt that I needed to get serious about my real estate investing business. And what, if you can drill down on like a learning from that, other than the kick in the butt, what, what would you say the learning is from that experience? Actually, you can kind of take that from the lessons that you learn from something like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where, uh, you know, they talk about the rat race and they talk about like people say like, oh, you know, you have your safe and secure job. But then, you know, just one day somebody can be like, oh, well, no, you don't need you don't need to have this job anymore. And then all of a sudden your world gets turned upside down. Um, You know, even when things go bad now, I'm still fully in control of what I'm going to do next and how I'm going to pursue things. And, you know, if there's a problem with my business, I get to decide what I'm going to do about it. And, you know, I can't get fired. Absolutely. It makes makes a lot of sense. It reminds me of something that I remember reading or hearing in a seminar or something where uh, they talk about 
change is going to happen. Life's going to change, whether you're ready for it or not. It's a matter of designing your life so that you influence the type of change and you're one step ahead of it, um, planning for the inevitable changes that will happen. Um, and in, in your case, change happened with the, you know, the unemployment or parting ways with your employer and that that got you onto a track that um, now looking back on it, I'm sure you're very, very grateful that that event happened. You know, you know, at the time I wasn't too excited about it, but now I would actually, I've, I've joked to people, it's like might actually be like the fourth day, best day of my life after like the birth of my two girls and my wedding. Best ever success habit you practice? Gratitude. So I try to consistently show real gratitude and appreciation to the important people in my life and for, you know, anyone that like helps me out. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily go like above and beyond and do like, you know, really crazy stuff, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's always good to show people that you really appreciate the things that they do for them. It makes them happy. It makes them want to do more for you. And a lot of times, you know, especially the, the people closer in your life, like you kind of just take things for granted. And it's, you know, um, always good to let people know, even just the, even just the little basic things, letting like, you know, your, your wife, husband, children, parents, you know, good friends, like know that you really appreciate all the things they do for you. I love that. When you fill your heart with gratitude, there's no other emotion that can be present when you're completely grateful for something. And I love practicing that as well. Best ever deal you've done. I probably put it as our second rehab that we did. Um, so what it was, it was a pretty good sized townhouse um, in a you know reasonably desirable town about thirty miles south of Boston. Uh, we were able to get it really so this was like back in I, I got it under contract late two thousand and eleven. So like it was a pretty good time to be able to get discounted deals. Um, got it really cheap. And I was actually able to buy it with just all cash and some unsecured cheap credit lines that I had. Uh, so it didn't have particularly good, high holding costs on it. Uh, the rehab wasn't that bad, especially because since it was a townhouse, I didn't have to worry about a lot of like capital expenses like siding and the roof and stuff like that. And we made a really high profit. And that really kind of greased the skids to be able to like explode the business going into 2012 and beyond. And also just gave me a lot of confidence. That was one of the deals where I made like quite a bit more than what my um, previous salary had been. So now it was kind of like, okay, I can do this. And, you know, if nothing else, I had like a nest egg to know that like, you know, even if I don't make another penny for the next year, I'm better off than I would have if I was still at my job. Best ever quote. Oh man, there's so many good ones out there. But one that I really like is um, Zig Ziglar, where he says... um, there are no traffic jams when you go the extra mile. I was nodding my head already whenever you said from Zig Ziglar, because I was like, all right, I'm, I, I'll have heard this quote before, but I've never heard that Zig Ziglar quote. Oh, really? Wow. That's, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. I, I like that yeah. one. Similar to from an investing standpoint, when you start investing in a price point or a type of property or a strategy that nobody else is doing, um, you know, 
a couple things come to mind. Uh, one is land flipping. I personally don't do that, but I've come across a couple people on my show who do, and there there's very little competition there. Another is with multifamily. If you get out of the area of the single investor, but right be- right below the area of the institutional investing, um, there's a sweet spot where your your competition's not as great. Uh, so I, th- I think that can be applied in a lot of ways. Well, you know, in my situation, uh, this might this might um, shock you, but there it was not a multiple offer situation on the sewer plant house. You know. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you you're you're living and I, I would say breathing it, but you uh, weren't breathing too heavily during that process. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Uh, so I think like a lot of other people who got started around when I did, they would say that um, not getting started sooner and not ramping it up as quickly. Because uh, you know, looking back now, if I could have gotten myself in gear a little bit earlier. Um, I would definitely be a lot closer to my financial, you know, independence goals that I have, because um, I definitely could have picked up more cheap properties to hold long term. Certainly could have gotten more flips to build up the war chest. Um, but you know, looking back, it's you know everything's in cycles. At some point, the market's going to go down again. I actually think that uh, you know, in some places, is kind of poised to you know, at least slow down and probably dip a little bit again before it fully comes back the way it's been going gangbusters the past like two years. So just kind of, uh, you know, like most people like, Oh man, I wish I got started sooner and I wish I did more earlier. You should send an email to your former boss and tell him, um, just write, I, I thank you so much for laying me off Dot, dot, dot. I just wish it would have happened sooner. Love, Sean. <laughs> you know, there was actually one point, like, I um, I had actually thought about doing something like that. And, and so, you know, I, I did not because I was like, well, that kind of seems like being a little bit of a jerky. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm being facetious. No, I'm like, even if I actually meant it as like a sincere, hey, you know, thank you for setting me off on my life path. There's just no way it would have been interpreted that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I understand that. What's the best ever place to reach you, Sean? Uh, you know, like, uh, like, again, like most people, I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, probably the best way is you can go to my website, which is mass, M-A-S-S, home, H-O-M-E, sale, dot, S-A-L-E, dot com. Um, so there's, you know, phone numbers, contact forms and stuff. Uh, also, you can email me at Sean, and that's S-H-A-U-N, at rre-homes.com and I'm also you know all over the place like you know Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, bigger pockets for the investors. All right, well, thank you so much and best ever uh, listeners, I want to mention another opportunity where um, for the best ever survey.com, uh, if you remember from previous episodes, I uh, did a drawing for, um, or I said I was going to do a drawing for Judy Robinette's book, How to Be a Power Connector. Well, um, if you had filled it out by December 1st, well, um, guess what? I actually gave everyone who filled out the survey, Judy Robinette's book, How to Be a Power Connector, uh, because I'm all about adding value and, um, you know, giving you, giving you as much as I can. Um, so, I'm going to keep the best ever survey.com up. Uh, 
And what we're going to do is, uh, I'm going to do a drawing for, uh, someone who, uh, fills out that survey. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to do it. Um, which is probably against some drawing rule, I'm sure. But, uh, it's going to be, the book is going to be Brandon Turner's book, Investing in Real Estate with No and Low Money Down. It's an ebook. Uh, so feel free to fill out the survey at besteversurvey.com. And everybody who fills it out, uh, between December 2nd through, uh, well, let's say the end of the month. Um, so December 31st, I'm going to draw, do a drawing and, uh, I'm planning on giving away seven of his copies of his ebook. So, um, go to besteversurvey.com and fill that out. Sean, thank you so much for joining our show and giving your insight and your background to the best ever listeners. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. It was great. Hey, you, best ever listener, do you want more? Then head to joefairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on joefairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.